are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. My wife, Annette, and I, we have two daughters. Uh, Brittany is 31, and Morgan is 26. I remember when Morgan, our youngest daughter, uh, was maybe in the third or fourth grade. I was sitting on the couch one Saturday afternoon watching golf. And Morgan was sitting beside me, probably not too interested in the golf. And, uh, and I felt that she was looking at me. And so I remember turning toward her and uh, she had a smile on her face. And I said, what? And she just kind of shrugged her shoulders. And so I smiled and looked back at the television. And then in a minute, um, I realized Morgan was, was smiling at me again, uh, just looking at me. And so I looked at her and I said, Morgan, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? And she just shrugged and kind of smiled And the third time that I felt she was looking at me as I was looking at the television, I said, Morgan, what are you up to? And and it was then that I realized that Morgan was sitting like I was sitting. She was imitating me. Her, her, Her legs were crossed like my legs were crossed. Her arms were folded like my arms were folded. And she was she was imitating me. Uh, She thought it was cute. Uh, To be honest with you, I kind of thought it was cute. Uh, But in the next few days, as I reflected on that, I felt like God was saying to me, Rick, if you will listen to me, I want to teach you a lesson. Your girls are young, and right now they're going to do what you say. But they're also going to do what you do. Um, They're going to listen to what you teach them, but you're teaching them when you're not aware of it. Rick, they are watching your life and the way you live it every day. And I felt like God was just saying to me, Rick, be careful how you live your life before your kids. If you can understand that, I think you can understand Jesus' relationship with his disciples. So Jesus was considered a rabbi, a teacher. And he had many disciples, 12, like many rabbis had. They spent incredible amounts of time with their rabbi, the disciples did. And and they did that not only to listen to the rabbi teach, but they also spent time to observe his life. So you can imagine what it was like when Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. The the disciples were listening, listening intently. But, but when Jesus walked off of the Mount of Beatitudes, the disciples followed him to observe how he lived his life after that teaching. So we're in a series right now called Listen. And, uh, and we're talking about listening to God in his word. We, we talk about listening to God as he speaks to us in that inner voice through his Holy Spirit. But As we preach the sermons, we're talking about listening specifically to the words of Jesus. So so I grew up with a saying that I was very familiar with, and I got a feeling that you probably know the saying as well. And it's simply this, actions speak louder than words. And so I think that's the way it was for Jesus and his disciples. Um, There were times when Jesus just laid out a command and there was no way they could miss it. He would say things like, as I've loved you, you should love one another. And I'm sure they were blown away at that incredible teaching. But then there were other occasions like when Jesus was in one of the darkest hours of his life. 
The disciples were not simply listening to what Jesus was saying. They were watching him respond to that situation. And so here in this season of Lent this year, it's been impacted greatly by the COVID-19 virus. Um, Typically in the season of Lent, we talk about sacrificing something, giving something up. We want to identify with Jesus and his sacrifice and his journey toward the cross. It, it also serves as a reminder as we, as we don't do that one thing that we would normally do, we fill it with being focused on Jesus. I, I think this year compared to past years, our sacrifices seem pretty trivial as we would give up chocolate or maybe soft drinks or maybe a television show. This year in the season of Lent, our entire routine for some of us has been completely replaced. But it has caused us, as we see the severity of the virus, to focus more clearly on Jesus. I was talking with a friend on the phone the other day, and he said, you know what I think the saddest thing would be? That we would go through this whole process, and that we wouldn't be changed. That we would go through this entire quarantine, and that we wouldn't be inwardly transformed that we wouldn't become more like Jesus. And so I think we're all saying as followers of Jesus, redeem this time. Do in me what you want to do in me. What do you want to say to me, Jesus, during this time? And so I want to challenge you with some words today. I'll put them on the screen. But, um, but I believe Jesus is trying to say something to us. And this is what I believe Jesus is trying to say to us today through his word during this crisis. I think Jesus is saying, you may be going through a tough time. And and for, for some of you, that tough time looks different than others. I'm constantly saying and reminding myself, I, I think I've got it really good right now. Um, but your tough time may be beyond the COVID-19 crisis. You may be fighting another physical battle, a relationship battle, a family situation. You may be going through a tough time, but listen to what I think Jesus wants to say. But you shouldn't go through it alone. You say, Rick, Rick, you really think that's what Jesus is wanting to say to us today? I am so convinced that this is the words of Jesus for you and for me. You may be going through a tough time today, but you shouldn't go through it alone. And I'm going to prove to you uh, why I'm so convinced that that's what Jesus wants to say to us in just a moment. Uh, Some of you may struggle with these words and you may say, you know, I thought this whole thing about being in isolation was about being alone. And yet you're saying that we don't need to be alone. Well, let me challenge you for a minute just to say that, yeah, we are practicing isolation, but it's not extreme isolation. There's a reason why our corrections uh, system uses solitary confinement as punishment. Solitary confinement is very difficult on the human psyche to have to live in extreme isolation. Uh, You and I aren't living in extreme isolation. It may feel extreme, but you're actually watching the sermon right now on a computer or on your phone. Uh, Most of you have access to television. Uh, You're able to uh, message people uh, with texting. You're doing... Um, you know, things like email and even FaceTime where you're looking at people in real time. Uh, my wife and I, we get out and we take a walk and we keep 
proper social distance from our neighbors, but we get to engage in conversations with them. Once in a while, I make a run to the grocery store, which is just weird. That's all I can say about that. Um, But it's not extreme isolation. While we can't be physically present with each other, like we're used to being, we can connect with one another. And nobody, nobody, nobody should be going through these tough days alone. So let me take you to Jesus' words, okay? In Matthew chapter 26, I want to start reading with verse 36. So Chris mentioned to you a moment ago that this is Palm Sunday. It commemorates Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. And it's the countdown of days to finally on Friday, his day on the cross. And so we find Jesus and his disciples after the Last Supper right now in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so here's God's word for us today. Then Jesus went with his disciples. Who did he go with? His disciples. In other words, Jesus didn't go to the Garden of Gethsemane alone. In one of the darkest hours of his life, you don't find Jesus by himself. He takes the people who are closest to him with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here a while. In other words, um, don't leave. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Would you stay with me? So Jesus went with his disciples and he says to them, sit here. Don't leave. Stay with me while I go over there and pray. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time. And he prayed, my father, if it is not possible... For this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more, a third time. And he prayed the same prayer. And then he returned to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And this is the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, I um, got up on Friday morning and um, I'll just tell you, I was surprised at how cold it was when I got out of bed Friday morning. Um... I started a fire in the fireplace, and I got a cup of coffee, and um, I started my devotional time, which is, you know, let me just tell you, it it has been what has saved me uh, on my hardest days through this season. And uh, and I looked at my phone, and I realized immediately that it was April the 3rd. 
Now, you probably don't know this, but April the 3rd is a significant day in my life, and it has been all of my life. April the 3rd is the day my father was born. And up until a couple of years ago, when my father passed away, every April 3rd, I would call my dad and I would wish him a happy birthday ever since I moved out of our childhood home. I was sitting there in my devotional time thinking about my dad. I sent my family a text and, um, and I remembered a story about my dad. A couple of years before he died, my mom called me. At this point, my dad was suffering from severe dementia. He was very confused about virtually everything. My mom called and said, I, I think I need to tell you what happened with dad. He, he's okay now, but, but I should let you know what happened. She said, you know how dad likes to go to the garage? And I said, yeah. She said, it's, it's, it's good for me. It's good for him. We're together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some of you can relate to this right now. But she said, when he goes out to the garage, it kind of gives him a break. It gives me a break. I don't really know what he does. I, I sometimes look out and he's messing with some tools and stuff. And, and I think it's good. She said, but he'll set the trash out. So when I heard the, the overhead garage door open, I didn't think anything of it. I thought he was just setting the trash out. She said, but then I heard the car start. She said, you know, your dad hasn't driven for years, but he's always insisted on keeping the car keys in his pocket. It's what he's done all of his life. And when he gets up in the morning, he puts his billfold in his pocket and he puts his car keys in his pocket. It's never been an issue, but he's never started the car. She said, Ricky, before I could get to the garage, your daddy had driven away. I panicked. I called your brother and your sisters and everybody else I could, and we were all in our cars immediately trying to find him, but we couldn't find him. 20 minutes passed, 30 minutes passed, 40 minutes passed. We didn't know what we were going to do. She said, your brother called a friend who's been an EMT for a long time, and he said to your brother, you know, you guys lived in a home for many, many years, and recently when your parents moved to town, I think you should go back to that last home you lived in. They typically go home. And sure enough, my dad had driven to the house that we had lived in for years and years and years, the house I was raised in, a road that he had traveled a thousand times before, thousands of times before. And he got out of the car and he walked up the sidewalk and the owner opened the door. My dad looked at him very confused and he said to him, do I live here? And the owner was extremely kind and he said, Mr. Harvey used to live here, but you don't live here anymore. And he helped return my dad home. I, I sat there in my living room the other day with the fireplace going and a cup of coffee in my hand. And I felt like that... Uh, Many of us today can relate to my dad. In all of this, we feel a little bit confused. We don't understand everything that's going on right now. We're trying to figure it out. But I think deep down inside of all of us, there is a desire to return to what's familiar. An old road that we've traveled thousands of times. And inwardly, we just want to kind of go back to what used to be. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I don't think it's even a selfish thing. 
When I, when I think about wanting to move through this crisis, I think about the fact that I don't want another person to get sick. Uh, I don't want another person to die. I don't want another person to lose their job. I don't want another person to struggle with fear and anxiety. I just want us to move forward. I, I, I'm going to put a, a, a phrase on the, on the screen. And the reason I'm going to put it here is because I, I truly want you to answer a question for me. I want you to answer me this question. What is wrong with this statement? The statement is simply this. I don't want to go through this tough time. <laughs> We've been talking about the fact that if you have to go through a tough time, you shouldn't go through it alone. What about a person just saying, can I hit the pause button a minute? May I just say, I don't even want to go through this tough time. What's wrong with the statement? I'm going to challenge you that there's nothing wrong with the statement. I think that a person uh, who welcomes tragedy or sorrow or struggle or trouble, I think there's something wrong with that person. You might say, hey, Rick, but you really grow when you go through the tough times. I get that. That has been the situation in my life. But I never welcome the tough times. You can give yourself a break right now. You can just let yourself up for air. There's nothing wrong with feeling this. There's nothing wrong with saying, I wish it would end. You should be praying for that. Did you know that even Jesus, oh, you got to lean in. Did you know that even Jesus, you got to listen to what I'm about to say. Did you know that even Jesus, as he stood in front of suffering, do you know what he said to the Father? Is there any way, and I'm paraphrasing, okay? I'll read you the words again in a moment. But Jesus said, is there any way that we can just not do this? Jesus, he didn't want to go through the tough time either. He referred to it as, as a cup, okay? Um, you may say, I, I'm not for sure I'm connecting with that language. Okay, he said, he said, let this cup pass from me. Remember the words a moment ago, this cup, let it pass from me. Do you remember when you were young and, and you would get sick and your parents would maybe hand you a little medicine cup and say, drink this, and you would look at it and you'd smell of it and you would say, I don't want to drink that. Even today, uh, Annette might hear me sniffle or something and she pours me a little medicine cup of something and I'm not very good at taking anything and I look at it and I say, Annette, I don't want to take that. I don't want to drink that cup. You might remember when James and John showed up with their mother there's reinforcement, right? She said, hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, could you let my boys, one of them sit on your right, the other on your left? Do you remember what Jesus asked James and John that day? Can you drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? You see, it's hard for us to understand what Jesus was going through may be impossible. I, I can't imagine knowing at the age of 33 that you're being confronted with dying in a few days. Uh, much less that you're going to die on a cross. I'm, I'm going to be graphic for a minute because I think, I think we have to try to connect somehow with what Jesus was feeling and thinking. But... If, if somebody said to you, okay, we need you to do something, it's, it's for the good of a lot of people. And here's basically what's going to happen. You're going to get arrested, and then after you're arrested, once you're in custody, they're going to beat you up pretty good with some rods. I mean, they're going to take some, uh, 
some sticks and they're going to go at you pretty good. Then they're going to place a crown of thorns on your head. On a pain level between 1 and 10, you're going to be at a 10. Then they're going to strip your clothes off of you to humiliate you. You're going to be naked in front of people. And then they're going to whip you with a whip. Half of the blood is going to flow out of your body onto the ground. And then they're going to put you on a cross. And after hours and hours and hours of excruciating pain, you're basically going to suffocate. Okay, you good to go? Can we just move forward with this now? I I think anybody would be saying what Jesus was saying. Father, is there any way maybe we cannot do this? And you've got to understand that in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what Jesus was feeling. I was there at the Garden of Gethsemane this past summer on my trip to Israel. I I brought a picture because I thought it might be helpful for you. This is is what the Garden of Gethsemane looks like. You, You may be saying, Rick... Is it really the same garden? Um, just to be honest with you, there's not many places for this garden to be located. And if it's not exactly in its location, it is very, very close. You can look up on the hill and you can see Jerusalem. I mean, right there. You're in the Kidron Valley. And you just look up. I mean, not far at all. You just look up and there's the massive city of Jerusalem. If you look to your left, um, you see the, the Mount of Olives. And then right in the valley, Gethsemane means olive press, an olive garden. And some of these trees in this garden are dated to about 2,000 years old or more. And it was in this garden that Jesus takes his disciples And he says, could you stay? And he goes a little further with his other disciples. And he says, would you stay here? And then he goes a little further and he fell on his face. How long has it been? Have you ever fallen on your face in prayer? And he prays this prayer. Father, you know, if it's possible, can this cup pass from me? But not my will, but yours. A second time after returning to the disciples, he prays again. And this time he prays, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken, then your will be done. And then a third time he prays again, if it is not possible, then your will be done. It's like you saying, Father, is there any way that we can destroy evil without me suffering? And finally, he just says, Lord, it's your will. A moment ago, you heard a little bit about uh, an outpost grocery, a grocery outpost that was created. And we celebrate this week that this past week, 61 families received a box of groceries. You say, Rick, what, why are you doing that? Because early on... Um, you know, under good leadership from Pastor Thaddeus Black and Sam O'Bannon, uh, with some partners like the Regional Food Bank and Life Church coming along with us, we just knew that there were families who were going to need additional groceries. So this is separate from a pantry. This is a very new thing. Um, here's what we wanted to say. Because I think this is what Jesus is teaching us in this moment. And this is how we apply what we're dealing with in this passage to our lives today. We just wanted to say to some families, as 
as you lose your job or as you go through a tough time, we want you to know that you don't have to do it alone. We want to come along beside you. I read a story this week about a high school counselor who, of course, is not teaching right now. And she said, in the neighborhood I live, many people are in the service industry, restaurants, and those kinds of things. And I know they live check to check. And so in a social media um, platform that we use called Nextdoor, I just said, if you're going through a tough time, if you're really tight on cash, if you need something to eat, just send me your Vimeo account. No questions asked. I'll send you $20. She said, I felt like I had a little extra money I could share. And when she was asked, has anybody accepted your offer? She said, yes, I've given away about $400 to my neighbors. I think about those days when I'm at home. And, and we all deal with this differently. And some of us at times have kind of a challenging day just accepting the reality. And we worry and pray for others. Some days I just say to Annette, hey, Annette, can we talk? I feel like I'm struggling a bit today. And sometimes Annette says to me, I feel like I'm having a harder day today. Don't know why. The other night I hung up a FaceTime call from a friend. We talked for probably an hour and I hung up and I felt so encouraged. Or when I get phone calls from you or when I text with you or emails from you. I walk away from that moment realizing I'm not alone. Some of you are saying, okay, Rick, I'm starting to follow you here. I understand where you're going. So, so tell me again about Jesus for a minute and remind me uh, about Jesus for a moment and, uh, and where Jesus is, you know, in all of this, okay? Uh, he takes who with him to the garden? <laughs> he takes his disciples, and what he says to his disciples is simply this. Hey, guys, would you do me this favor? Would you, would you just not, not leave? Would you just stay with me? And then he takes a couple, three disciples a little further and he says, would you guys just stay with me? I don't want you to leave. I just want you to stay with me. So I want you to think with me for a minute. There are these moments when Jesus does incredible stuff where the point is impossible to miss he'll say things like uh after getting down on his knees with a with a with a towel around his waist and 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 a basin washing the dirty feet of his disciples he stands up to this moment of greatness and he says as i have washed your feet you should wash one another's feet and the disciples are just going wow you know it's a powerful teaching moment it's as plain as the nose on your face. You couldn't miss it if you wanted to. And then there's other teaching moments. Where the disciples are as focused on what Jesus is doing as they are focused on what Jesus is saying. And in the darkest, one of the darkest hours of Jesus' life, it's what he does that has such an impact. Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going to Gethsemane. <laughs> oh, that's bad. 
We know about Gethsemane. We know what happened in Gethsemane. And Jesus says, yeah, but I'm not going by myself. I'm not going alone. You see, the disciples aren't there to, to fight. In fact, he, he says to them, don't fight. He, he doesn't even say, I want you to pray for me. The only thing he says is, stay here. I just need to know you're here. I don't want to be by myself. Don't leave. There, there's another element that I want to remind you of, and that is that Jesus let them in to what he was feeling and thinking. Here's what he says to them. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Could, could I ask you a question? Are, are you letting people in? Are, are you having moments where you talk to people through this crisis or through whatever struggle that you're going through? Do you, do you talk to people from your heart and do you say to them, yeah, yesterday was a hard day? You know, see, Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus just opened his heart to his disciples and he just says, I'm going to live with you guys. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow right now. You, you remember that back a, um, about a year and a half ago, I was in Branson, Missouri with my wife for meetings. And uh, I was leaving a restaurant. I had an accident and ended up breaking my femur. I actually broke the neck of my femur off, broke it in two. Ended up, ambulance coming, taking me to the hospital. The fix was a hip replacement. So I'm only 57 at the time. No idea that something like that would happen. I finally get home. And the first day we're home and it's just my wife Annette and me. And she sits down and we just begin to talk. And it's the first time I really begin to talk about what I was feeling. So I don't want to, you know, uh, shake your world too much here. But as I started to tell Annette what was going on, I, I started to cry. Just, just telling her what was going on inside of me. You say, oh, you mean when you were talking to your wife, you, you kind of teared up? No, I mean while I was talking to my wife, I went into a full shaking cry. You know, I mean just like a boo-hoo-hoo, my shoulders shaking, crying. My wife comes over, she puts her arms around me, she's holding me. I'm crying like crazy. I'm telling her, I don't know why I'm crying. And she says, it's okay, it's okay to cry. There's a lot of emotion here. And I just cried and I cried and I just told her everything that I was feeling. And you know what happened after I cried? I felt better. I, I don't mind confessing to you that there's been times in my life when I just needed to be honest and real with somebody about what I was feeling. And yeah, I probably cried. And after I opened my heart, I really felt better. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. It's simple. 
If Jesus needed friends to support him in his darkest hour, how much more do we need our friends to support us? Yeah. (laughs) I got a text from a friend a few days ago. Here's what he says to me. Did you hear that my friend died today? I text back and I said, yeah, I just heard. I'm sorry. He sent another text trying to describe what a good friend he was. And then maybe an hour later, he sent me another text saying, I sent this to him. It was all I could do. You say, Rick, what what do you mean it was all he could do? Well, he couldn't go to the hospital. He couldn't stand by his bed and hold his hand and pray with him. He He couldn't bend over the man's bed and put his arms around him and tell him what a great friend he had been. And so what he did was he sent a message text. Some of our age group pastors tell me today that I'm sending message texts to college students and high school students because they don't answer their phone, but I want them to hear my voice. And so I'm, I'm sending a message text and I sometimes pray for them or whatever. And they're responding like crazy. You know what my friend did for his dying friend a couple of days before he died? He sent a message text. He said, you've been a great friend and I love you. And then he sung him a song. <laughs> He sung a song, a song that just describes how God is with us and will never leave us. And at the end of the song, he just said, you know, in a broken voice, you could tell he was crying hard. He just said, you've been an awesome friend, and I love you, and you will never, never be alone. In a day when you can't be present physically, you can find ways to connect with people. And so it may be that you know somebody, somebody who is lonely, somebody who is facing fear, somebody who is facing anxiety, somebody who is experiencing loss, maybe even somebody who's facing death. And maybe they're just asking you, will you stay with me during this time? And God's going to help you find a way to stay. I want to pray with you, but before I pray with you, I just want to tell you that on the website where you're watching right now, or on our app, you can just click that you would like for a pastor to reach out to you for prayer and emotional support. Please reach out. We would love to connect with you. So Father, many people are going through tough times, but they they don't have to do it alone. And so, if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, needed his friends, then we need our friends to help us to reach out. And help us to reach out to give help to others. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.